put them up by four. Start a party in the garden, hit me up back door. Tell them welcome to the east where his handles abroad. We conference nonsense, fighting LeBron. Hardwood when the Rockets hand out cars. Defense when the clock kills, no shots off. Hey guys, welcome back to the Celtics Pulse podcast. It's your boy Adam at Celtics Pulse. I'm Cody at the Cover Three. I'm Joe at Joe Bear Eighty. So guys, it's been an interesting week, man. We've had a uh, the Jimmy Butler situation. I remember a few weeks ago I dropped the hot take on the uh, Ranking the West podcast where I said that I didn't see him being there. I said by the trade deadline, but it's looking like it's going to be a lot more likely now. Before, yeah, you did call that. You did call that pretty well. <laughs> did you see that? I saw a tweet the other day that was um. So the the Timberwolves gave up the third pick, which turned into Laurie Markkinen. They mm-hmm. gave up Zach Levine. And who else did they give up in that trade? They gave up one more guy. Um, Chris Dunn. Yeah, Chris Dunn for 57 games of Jimmy Butler. They got fucked on that trade bad. Yeah, they really did. I mean, if you look at how marketing marketing had a very, very good rookie season, I believe around like 14 points, 16 points a game. Um, defense is actually getting there. I think he's a, a lot better defensively. Defensively at this stage of his career than people thought he was. Rebounding still needs work. He's still he's gonna be a really good player. Um, Lavina wasn't completely sold on. Yes, the ACL tear. Uh, they had to move him because he was gonna get a max contract soon or close to max, which he did uh, with twenty million dollars a year now for four years for Chicago. Um, Dunn was kind of disappointment. I heard it was clashing with Thibodeau, and they didn't want that at all. So yeah, if you really think about it, Dunn looked a lot better his first year in Chicago. We'll have to see of uh, Levine this year, and Market is looking like a future All Star. So, yeah. yeah, kind of a bad trade. But they did make the playoffs for the first time. If you really think about when Jimmy Butler was playing, that team was the third seed in the uh, West for a while until he got hurt and then Tim- Timberwolves started falling back. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. The only problem with that is, obviously, they've had some curious, what I'd call curious pickups in the offseason, uh, Timberwolves and all that. Um, I read somewhere saying that Tibbs said that if they do um, trade Jimmy, then he might not stick around because he doesn't want to be around for a full rebuild. So they've just traded for all these players that Tibbs wants, and now Tibbs might be leaving too. They're just in a mess at the moment. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, the Timberwolves have been in that sort of category of dumpster fire organizations. lump, Lump them in with the Magic and the Kings. Uh, the Knicks, the Nets over the last few years because, like you mentioned, they made the playoffs this year. Yeah, for the first time in like 13 years. The last time they made the playoffs, Sam Cassell, uh, Kevin Garnett, and Latrell Sprewell were on the roster. So talk about dating yourself as an organization. I mean, I love the Jimmy Butler trade. I mean, I didn't like how they gave the Bulls gave up a first-round pick. I remember when the trade happened, everyone was like, wow, the Bulls got fleeced. And now, all of a sudden, they're looking pretty good. Especially depending on what Minnesota gets for Butler. My question is, without Butler, are the Timberwolves in the playoff conversation? That depends on what they get back. Right. Joe, anything? Well, I'd say Carl Anthony Towns is definitely an unbelievable talent. He's one of the top big men in the league, arguably. Is he elite status yet? No, but... He's also in his early 20s. Can you rebuild a team around him? We don't know that, but if they 
if their management can improve and they get some pieces around them, they could make some noise in a few years, I believe. Yeah, I mean, like, the one thing with this team right now is they're built to play right now. There aren't, other than Wiggins and Towns, there's not, and Tyus Jones, there's not a lot of young guys, noticeable young guys on that team. I know people are saying that their first round pick, I forgot what his name was, but he's from Georgia, uh, Georgia Tech. Um, there aren't really any super superstar or all-star or decent role player caliber players on this team other than the old guys they have right now, like Taj Gibson, Jeff Teague, um, anyone from the Chicago Bulls team for 2011. There is just nobody on that team where you can build around other than those two guys. And my big concern is, is Andrew Wiggins going to make that next leap? And I talk about it all the time. I call them the Ryan Tannehill players, where next year is going to be their year. Next year is going to be their year. Oh, next year he's going to – and they never find that next year. So really, I think this whole – how this whole situation ends is going to be on the shoulders of Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, and here's the whole reason this problem's come on, come along in the first place. If you're listening to the reports, he's not getting mm-hmm. on with Jimmy. He's not trying on defense. He, I don't think he turns up to practice like early, like a, as like a true – true pro like Jimmy would expect. For a max guy, he's just not giving the performance that his money should be dictating. Yeah, I mean, that was like one of the big, the big gripe was Jimmy versus the young guys. And if you really look at Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns, look at their basketball careers as a whole, both were top prospects. Both went to blue chip schools. Both were the number one overall picks. Basically just walked in the NBA and said, hey, I'm here. Like Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins, both rookie of the years. Um, Carl Anthony Towns is now arguably, in my opinion, a top 20 player in the NBA already. Wiggins is a little bit further down the line, but he has the ability to one day maybe be a top 25 player if he gets his act together. Um, yeah, when, when when Andrew Wiggins turns it on, he's, he's phenomenal. Some of the dunks and highlight yeah. reels he can put up are great, but it's just the consistency, and you can see in his play, majoritally, that he, yeah. he's... He, and it's just a pain. I mean... Corrales said on the Lockdown podcast, I think it was yesterday, that like Jimmy Butler is the perfect tips guy. He never wants to come off the court. He's always wanting to score, wanting to run for the team. So when you've got a guy, like you say, a blue-chip guy like Wiggins and like Towns that don't try on defense, everything's come yeah. easy. It's going to piss you off. And especially, like, yeah, they've all, like we said, they've everything's come easy to them. They both got free rides to Kentucky and Kansas number one players, and they were sort of handed the keys to the organization. And they're like, all right, this is us now. Jimmy Butler had to work for everything. I don't know what he was ranked, but I'm going to guess it's not very high. I went to Marquette, had to work all three, four years just to get in the starting lineup and be considered a prospect. Drafted number 30 overall to an already stacked uh, Chicago Bulls team. Had to work his way, ended up from the start from the bottom, now he's here. They ship him off to Minnesota. Now he's the guy. And that whole interaction that, hey, I might be the best player, but I'm still working harder than everybody here. That shouldn't happen. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, his, his like, career is a typical 2K storyline in, in my career. You start really? Off, yeah, it really is. <laughs> um, it's, I can understand this frustration. I mean, it's like going to work every day and – you're the most paid, you're the highest paid guy in the department, but nobody else is doing shit. It's going to get under your skin. Yeah, it really is. I would say Andrew Wiggins, it 
does fall on his shoulders even more because they don't have the young core that a lot of other teams have, like the Sixers or the Lakers or the Celtics, where you have two or three guys between 19 and 22 years old that you can rely on if you don't succeed now. So the pressure is on him now for Minnesota. Yeah. I mean, they turned around and gave him a max contract, and they thought he was your their future, and they have mortgaged their future around him and Carl Anthony Towns. Um, the one thing now, Carl Anthony Towns said he wasn't going to sign an extension until whatever happened with Jimmy Butler was set in stone. Now he's gone. Does Carl Anthony Town, Towns walk now? Does he say, I don't want to sign an extension here? Or does he now say, Jimmy's out of the equation, it's our time to go? You see, I think, do you remember the other week we were talking about LaMarcus Aldridge and we were saying he, he plays better when he knows he's the, the, the number one option on the team? And yeah. when and he defers when there's another player. Um, I think Towns is similar in that respect. Like he he was putting up way better, and obviously his usage rate dropped once Jimmy came. But mm-hmm. I do think that his effort levels dropped too because he was like, "Well, dude, I'm I'm number two or number three option on these plays that coming down the court now. I can just defer to Jimmy, defer to Andrew. And now that Jimmy's gonna leave, I mean, Bleacher Report released something about. 15 minutes ago saying that the the Wolves GM said, well, Jimmy's available. I can see Towns having a big year this year and hopefully Wiggins, but you just don't know. Like you say, every year's every year's next year is going to be Wiggins' year. Yeah, I mean, defensively is was, basically defense was what started all this. Everyone said that the Timberwolves are a legit contender if Wiggins and Towns can play defense. And look at their body structures. They should be able to. I mean, uh, Carl Anthony Towns is built almost exactly like Joel Embiid. Joel might be a little bit thicker, but Joel Embiid is hands down, when healthy, the second or best defensive player in the league. If you look at Carl Anthony Towns, like I said, similar build, similar athleticism, you don't get nearly as that. He might get a mediocre at best defender. Andrew Wiggins, there should be no reason on the face of the planet why he has at least not a plus defender. He is super athletic, has the right size. He's 6'7", 6'8", like 220, 230. That should be perfect. And he puts a lot of effort on the offensive end, just not on the defensive end. And that's the key word, effort. Defense is, yeah. an, is, is effort. It, you take pride in stopping the guy. It's completely... It's like two separate battles. You're battling to score, and then you've got just as much hustle as what you would to put the ball in the net as what it is to stop the guy, and he just doesn't have that. The hustle plays just don't define that team, and when you've got a coach like Tibbs that demands hustle, it, it's just not a good fit all around. Yeah, and like a player like Jimmy Butler, if he doesn't hustle, Jimmy Butler's not in the NBA. If he doesn't hustle on defense his early years, he's one of those players they look at him and like, all right, Offensive, he's okay because his offensive game, even though we, he's a star, his offensive game is a little bit below where we think it is. I was looking at a post earlier, I think from uh, from Greeny, and it was like Jimmy Butler's year, like statistics versus Jalen Brown's, and like the percentages were very, very close, even in Jalen's favor. So Jay Butler, he does take less three point shots than Jalen Brown and makes less of his shots. So his offensive game is more of volume than efficiency, where he'll score 20 because he's going to take 20 shots. Yeah. He's not an inefficient player, but he's an average efficient, like an average player efficiency-wise. Like, you wouldn't 
look at Jimmy Butler and go, wow, he scores like KD. No. So without that hustle early on in his career and that drive, and like you said, taking pride with the effort, Jimmy Butler might not be in the NBA because no one sees him as a viable option because the reason he got in was because they needed defense with Derrick Rose. So it's crazy, this Minnesota thing, because I thought it was going to be complete, complete, like, uh, the word I'm working for, like a complete turnaround. It's going to be like they were going to be a team for a few years that you have to worry about, but now it's breaking up. And trade packages, Joey. Do you see? Do you, do you got any trade packages in mind? Um, I'm not sure where Butler will end up or what they could give. But when you talk about effort, that I was going to add, J- Jimmy Butler. I mean, we've seen guys in the past decade who. Like take pride in defense and stopping the other guy, like Tony Allen, yep, Tony Marcus Allen. Smart, Lance Stevenson. Like these guys are good, hardcore defensive players. Um, could a team throw in, you know, some prospects and some picks? They could, and um, I could see some teams that are trying to compete now, trying to get Butler because he isn't twenty one, twenty two that you can rebuild around him. But to an already competitive team, I think he can make a big impact. I think his best landing spot, like in in sense of winning, obviously we know his three teams that he handed in on his little note. But I think the Sixers are a really good spot for him. Like if he wants a if he wants a ring or he wants a good run, I mean that that makes the the East that much deeper. You've got the Kawhi Raptors, the Kyrie Celtics, and then the Jimmy Butler Sixers along with Embiid and Simmons, and it just makes it makes the whole season a bit more fun. But if he does just want to go and be the man somewhere, then I don't know. I've seen a few Gary, is it Gary Harris from um the Nuggets? Yep. Yeah, Gary Harris package ideas um, floated around saying the Nuggets will try and trade for him, pit team him up with top Isaiah and Jokic. I like that a lot because if you really like, we mentioned um, when we were doing the Western Conference. Um, predictions, and I said I have the Denver Nuggets in the playoffs, and I said that anybody in the face of the planet is going to score 100 points. If they have one game where they let up fewer than 100 points, then it's embarrassing for the other team, because their defense is terrible. You put a defender there, and really you allow, you can sort of run him sort of at the point, or not exactly the point, but you will have him as your focal point on offense, and your, your ball handler. Um, he has had six assists a game, I think, the, or around six assists the last three, four years. So he has the ability to run an offense. If you think, put it in perspective, Kyrie, I don't think, has ever broke seven assists in a, in a year. So, and if he didn't, then maybe it was once. But, so he can run an offense, and that, that's what happened when Derrick Rose went, you got injured. They didn't really have a backup point guard where they can just plug in and go, so they used Jimmy. So put him on the Nuggets. Adding defense, adding scoring. Oh, they already have a bunch of scoring, and I feel like Gary Harris and Jimmy Butler, you can say, as are at best equal scorers, if not Jimmy's better than Gary Harris. And definitely better defensively than anyone they have on that team. Add that with Paul Millsap. Yeah, and Isaiah off the bench. Yeah, the only thing is whether or not they're willing to give up Harris and whatever else it takes to get Jimmy, knowing it's a one-year rental. Because I don't think they expect him to be able to change his mind come the end of the season. 
It just depends on if they have cap. Uh, Butler chose his three teams because they'll have him two max slots open, one for him and one for somebody else. So he's yeah. sort of baking on his cards that I'll go to the Clippers, I'll go to the Knicks, I'll go to the Nets, which I think he wants to go to the Knicks or Nets because there's a certain Boston Celtic that has been rumored to be going to uh, a New York team, which hopefully we will never see in our lifetime. Well, um, if he goes to the Knicks, I'm not worried at all because Kyrie's smart enough not to want to go to a Dolan run franchise. And I've said it on multiple podcasts over the last few weeks. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that's keeping everyone out of New York is that man, James Dolan. I yeah, mean, you look at the, the Lakers. The Lakers haven't been... The Lakers and the Knicks, if you really look at it, those are the two franchises. Los Angeles and New York are the two biggest markets, if not in the country, the world. And they have historic... They've always had... Those are the two teams, that, uh, two cities, three cities, including Boston, that always have sports teams, whether no matter what sport it is. I think New York has a pro tennis team. Like, that's how into sports they are. So, and everyone wants to be the guy that says, hey, we brought the Knicks back. That's what Carmelo Anthony wanted to do. That's what Amari Stoudemire wanted to do. And we haven't seen it right lately because of James Dolan. If James Dolan leaves and Jimmy Butler goes to the Knicks, I think there's actually, I wouldn't say a high risk of Kyrie, but I'd be interested to see what Kyrie does. Oh, Obviously, yeah. when I'm on the Celtics, no it's going to be, yeah. That changes the dynamic completely. Personally, yep. I see Butler going to the Clippers and then trying to recruit, recruit Kawhi. Because Kawhi, yep. Kawhi yeah. wants LA, they've got the they've got the cap space to offer to both of them, and they get to compete against LeBron in like against the Lakers' biggest rivals that play in the same building. It's mm-hmm. it's a good it's a good idea for Jimmy in that sense. But a one year rental on the part of Denver makes a lot of sense this season. But depending on what they give up, I don't know if they're gonna pull the trigger on that. I mean, if you look at the players they have to pay they're already giving Millsap a bunch of money they already paid Jokic so it's basically choosing between Jamal Murray and Gary Harris so like you said that one year rental they're gonna have to pay both of them soon so you give up Harris give yourself an extra year and maybe get a couple players and then use your bird rights on Murray could be an idea but the Clippers I think is the best bet because there's a man called uh, Jerry West in that front office and if we remember he did a lot of the Lakers Rebuilt. He did a lot of the. He's the reason the Warriors are the Warriors. He is just an absolute monster on the front office. Yeah, I think he's the only guy that could literally rival Danny. Um, I would say like if Jimmy Butler does end up in LA uh, playing for the Clippers, and then Kawhi wants to join him, they have the money. They have Jerry West already. That is one really tough defensive team getting past Kawhi and Jimmy Butler. And that's the start. If you can get some role players who can also bring offense and defense to that team, they could really challenge some of the better offensive teams like the Warriors and the Celtics with their three-point shooting. Yeah, and you enter a rookie point guard, Shea Gilgis-Alexander in there, and you have Jerome, what, Jerome Harris? The Jerome, oh, Tobias Harris as well is a good four. And uh, Jerome Robinson from Boston College. They used Lou Williams off the bench. That could be a, a scary team. It just depends on what they're going to give up for him because there'll definitely be a pick involved. Probably like a top 10 protected pick, something like that. But it's going to be, I think, the best bet is the Clippers. Um, two other teams that I could see Miami and Milwaukee as well making plays for him. He'd work really well on Milwaukee. Yeah, that's what I think. I think getting that. 
second big option next to Giannis. What would they give up for him? If I'm just scrolling through the Bucks roster in my head, uh, definitely a pick. Uh, probably a first-round pick, lottery protected, or top 10 protected, depending on what they want to do with it. Um, do you throw in Thon Maker? I don't know if you want him if you're the Timberwolves. I don't know if you want to give him up if you're Milwaukee. So what do you give up? Do you give up a Chris Middleton? Sort of keep that uh, competitiveness in Minnesota and uh, keep Tibbs there? What do you really do? Um, but I think Milwaukee's a dark horse. Also Miami. They have a couple good pieces, young pieces that they can throw away. A uh, pick or two. Keep him um, with Bam Adebayo. And the culture of Miami. Moved. They're a gritty team that play hard. And that would suit Butler down to the ground. Culture-wise, that's a really good fit. Yep. And the last time they had a star shooting guard, you know what happened. <laughs> Off a personal um, agenda, I want the Clippers to sign him very soon so when I'm out there watching a game I can watch Jimmy go at it against John Wall and Bradley Bill. Yeah, but that's, that'd be that's, a... that's a personal thing. I've got the tickets so the price isn't going to go up for me. Let's get it. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on, we've got um, a week tomorrow. We're going to be watching Celtics basketball again. I'll, me personally, I'm stoked. Oh, oh well. We are uh, quite happy over here in the States as well. <laughs> I just need basketball, man. I'm just smashing 2K at the moment. I'm looking I, forward I to it. I need Gordon so bad. <laughs> I want to see what sort of shape he's in, whether he's got any rust. I mean, I put up um like a, a poll the other day on Twitter that got some heat when I was um, I said who's gonna start on the bench and I put I think I put Hayward, Brown and Tatum and everyone was like none of the above. And I'm saying, but you're all assuming that everyone's healthy from the from the go. One guy missed six months in Kyrie when you when you factor in the off season, and the other guy missed a whole year. So it, it's good to to think maybe one of them might be starting off the bench. I mean, ideally they're not going to be. Al on the bench? No, but no, uh, dude. Well, depends. I, I maybe th- Bain starts. No, uh, I I think <laughs> I think they're all going to start. Would I be surprised if Gordon sits out for like a week or two, and or at least starts on off the bench? No, I wouldn't be surprised. I could see why Brad would do it, but I think Gordon's just itching to get back. I think the only reason, the only way for him to really get back to the Utah form we saw him and we were so excited for, is you put him in and you just play the game like he never got hurt. Yeah, you see the same starting five as last year. I do, but as much as we want to see Gordon come back, I know, Cody, you're very excited. I'm so excited. So am I. We all want him to be back. But we also have to take it slow because we'd rather have a slow start and him for a majority of the season than vice versa. Could I see Brad maybe doing the same starting five as last year, like you said, and then maybe at like the seven or eight minute mark putting in Marcus Morris and just give Gordon Hayward little spurts and try to get him back up to his game. Yeah, that would probably be a good idea. By the maybe by all star break, you just say, All right, everyone go. Yeah, yeah, because it doesn't matter if we drop a few games early if we're just working out the teething problems. I mean, Hayward's got a, he might have been around the players all year and he was integrating on a social level and on like a, a personal level, but he still needs to integrate with them on the court. So it's going to take a few, a few months for that to start happening properly for him to get a good feel of when he's going to cut, when, when, when he's going to be dishing out. 
Daddy's always happy. That's, that's what I got from this offseason. Daddy's always happy. So uh, the one thing that's going to be interesting is you have basically, if you really look at the team, you have like 10 starting caliber players. You have our top five, and then you have uh, Morris, Rogier, Smart, Baines off the bench. You can run a lot of different lineups. Say if they play a team, trying to think of a team, um, maybe a team that has two dominant big men or two like larger big men that Tatum can't handle at a four. You bring Tatum off the bench, you'll play him starter-like minutes, but start Baines and Horford to counter that. And if the opposite, say, yeah, say like the Warriors, you'll definitely put Tatum in at the four. Or a team that is extremely good offensively, you want to counter with defense, maybe you put Gordon on the bench and you bring in Morris at the four, Tatum at the three, or mix around a combination of those three. You can do a lot of different things. Uh, Brad is going, I'm, I'm very interested to see, because Brad basically has a baseball team, and he's going to have a lineup every different night, which is pretty cool. And it keeps the opposition team on the toes. And as a fan's perspective, it's great because you never know what you're walking into as a starting lineup when you're walking into the garden. I mean, I'm not going to get to do that probably till late in the season at the earliest. But it's just... Yeah, I'll be there a, a couple times this year. Yeah, thanks for that, dude. Me and, me and Joey B, every home game. <laughs> I wish. Repping, dude. But no, it's... It's looking really good for the Celtics. We, I mean, we've spoke about it at length over the last few weeks, who, who we've got that's going to be roadblocks, and it's the obvious too. So if it's Milwaukee as a dark horse. Miami, mm-hmm. I can see having a good season. And what's great about this team, and we all trust Brad. We know he's going to make the right decision. Brad! I like that thing with Belichick. It's kind of passing the torch. Like Even if he does a move that we're not sure, minutes-wise, we know it'll work out in the end. And the Celtics, it's they're in almost a heavenly position where we have guys we can develop. So if Hayward isn't feeling 100%, maybe he's at the 90 95%, we have guys we need to develop at the 3 and 4. Semi Ojale, Robert Williams, I mean, oh, first yeah. round pick. I mean, this is something, a luxury not a lot of teams have. And we can oh, I forgot completely about Ojale. Yeah, Ojale could have a big year. Williams, uh, I haven't heard a lot about Williams. I mean, I haven't heard about, a lot about anybody because it's a dead season right now. But watching him in the preseason is going to be big. I mean, uh, we talked about it in length uh, with our good friend Colton Chumley. We talked about it in the uh, – we were so excited that we got him. I wrote three articles on uh, Robert Williams when the site first opened up. Um, he's very exciting, and I've been very excited for him. How he plays in the preseason is really going to show a lot for me. Does he want it? Is that energy level that Colton was saying that might not be there? Because he is still, like I said, a 19, 20 year old kid. He still is trying to figure stuff out. Like he's basically my, he's my age. Like he's a year older than me and Joe. So the effort he puts in and the amount of time and hustle he puts in this. Preseason, I think, will dictate some early minute, uh, early season minutes. Everyone's going to play early season. They're going to get at least four minutes, five minutes here, or there. Um, but hopefully, he can crack the rotation come uh, November, December. Yeah, I can't wait to see him run the court and catch a lob. 
Oh, it's going to be so hot. It's going to be so hot. We're not sure about the minutes he's going to get, but if he gets a minute, maybe there's an injury down the line. I mean, no team goes the whole year without at least... Yeah, we know that. Missed. Yeah, we know yeah, for sure. we know. But if Robert Williams gonna go five maybe minutes. tracks the starting five for a game, if he Corden. gets maybe eight <laughs> points, rebounds on a block, that's a solid game for a rookie. Something you can work on in a little confidence builder. Yeah, and like the luxury with Williams as a first round pick, we have two, three centers. Oh, we also forgot uh, Daniel Tice, the greatest, oh. pl- the greatest player in Celtics history. Daniel Tice, he's coming back from injury, and he plays. But he basically is Robert Williams, just twenty six years old in German. So, Robert Williams. Um, Do they have two Germans so, on the on the roster now? Is one a maker German? He's not German, but he played in Germany. He played oh, yeah. overseas in. Germany. Yeah, Wanamaker is going to be fun. Uh, see where, where if he uh, comes in for uh, the bird who should not be named. Um, if he takes up his would be minutes, too bad. That's a shame. Have that, have we caught him yet? Has he been? A few, I know he's released. A I don't think he's been stepping away. I don't think he's been officially cut, but he definitely will be. If the Celtics don't cut him, I'll actually kind of be upset. I was really upset about that because he was. If you remember late in the season last year. He got minutes, and he had two really good games against the Hawks and the Bulls. Yeah, he had we like nine nine points in like four minutes against the Bulls. He was making highlight plays. Both games were at home. The Garden was up and rooting for him, and he had a great summer league as well. I was disappointed. Yeah, it's uh, definitely whatever comes his way, he deserves it. It's sad times, though. I mean, personally, I've reached out to him over Twitter like six or seven try- times trying to get him to come on this podcast. If he gets cut, maybe we'll have a bit more of a chance, and we can have a talk. <laughs> I don't think bringing that up. I don't want to kind of. I don't want to get kidnapped. <laughs> he was near me. I'm safe, dude. I'm safe. I can bring you up. Come on, Adam. Think to... about the children. Think about the children. He's not coming over here to kidnap. It's too far. I'll be fine. I'm like 45 minutes away from the boy, we're gonna get capped. <laughs> Uh, no, but going back, I mean, I'm excited for this preseason. It's going to be interesting because a lot of players deserve minutes, but they're only 45 minutes in the game. There are only five positions at a time. Oh, 48 minutes, 48. rather. Uh, there are only five positions at a time. You can't play everybody 20 minutes. Well, it's going to be a fight. What, between you two or for, for the minutes? Hmm? Who's, like, fighting for minutes, in our opinion? Yeah, who do you think? Where do you think the biggest battle is going to be for the minutes? Uh, one of the big battles is definitely going to be Robert Williams and Daniel Tice. Yep. Just because Williams is kind of more hyped, we're all excited to see him. But Tice already has a year where he's proven himself. He's reliable on both sides of the floor. He's not exceptional at either, mm-hmm. but like he's okay. And then I would say Jabari Bird and Semi Ojale. They're both kind of like that, like late game minute or something like that. I say now it'd be uh, Yabu and Ojale for that. He needs to develop more. Yeah. It clearly showed he was a rookie last year. I mean, he'll get better. But Uh, Yabu has been with... Go ahead, Adam. No, I was just going to say, Yabu's been with the Celtics for a while now. I think if he doesn't make the jump this year, then he's not going to make that jump at all. Yeah. Um, From my my opinion, uh, with Joe, I believe that Tice... And Williams are going to back up for that third slash second big man power forward center role. 
Um, depending how they use Baines in their starting lineup this year, that's definitely going to be, uh, it can potentially be a place for a minutes to open up. The one thing that Tice does have over Williams is one, the experience, which he showed that he, even as a rookie, he looked like a veteran. Um, and he also has a three point shot. Uh, is it a great three point shot? No, but you have to respect it. He ha- did knock down a few triples and Robert Williams can't go anywhere other than the restricted area to score. So. Um, the second one, it'd be Semi and somebody, whether it be Morris. Um, I definitely, if Semi proves to be a Morris-type player this year, the Morris has gone after this year. We don't want to pay him the 7-6 he might get. Plus, so I, so I think Semi and Morris are also going to be fine for minutes. I think Morris is going to get the majority of them. They're sort of going to use that as contract. But it's going to be a, uh, a big proving ground to see if Semi can actually uh, replace Mook. Yeah, dude. I I don't think straight away he will, but he's definitely got the potential to be around about that level. Maybe not as good at well. I wouldn't say Mook's a great scorer. He just likes to shoot. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I do think eventually that Semi could be that sort of level. I think he'll be definitely at the same level on defense. And then we've just got to see whether that three-point shot that he was starting to develop really comes to fruition. Yeah, the one thing I liked about Semi, and I mentioned it in another article I wrote earlier this year, was uh, his... Um, what was I going to say? He's off the dribble scoring. He was running the point... Not the point, but running the offense a lot in the summer league. And obviously he's not going to do that when he gets to Boston because you have like seven other players. You would much rather do that. Kyrie might have something to say about <laughs> Kyrie and Semi dropping hands. <laughs> But um, he has a sort of Marcus Morris-type game offensive, or I think he's at least working on it. And uh, it, I'm excited to see Semi this year. I'm excited to see half the Celtics team, the young guys play. Man, well, the whole Celtics team, but there's certain players for me that I'm really looking for. I want to see the, the, the strides Tatum's made. I mean, he's been working out with some great guys this summer. Jalen yeah, Brown's just... been at... Been around Jimmy I just can't Butler. wait for the for when we playing in June. That's gonna be fun. I have a question. Do we think Terry Rozier said that he doesn't care about starting, doesn't care about all that. He just wants to win. But do we think in the back of his mind he might be thinking, "I want to score. I want to, you know, when I'm a free agent, I might want money." I'm not sure where he stands on that. Um, I think they're definitely gonna give him the keys to the offense for the second unit. Um, but he's definitely not staying after this last year of team control. Um, I think someone's going to offer him a pretty big contract. The Celtics just can't afford it. They want to keep Kyrie. I think this is the last year of Terry. Much as I hate to say it, I think Scary Terry era is over in Boston after said year. Depending on what happens with Kyrie. I mean, we spoke about Kyrie a bit earlier. If Kyrie leaves, then we reel upon Terry. Yep. I, I can't I, see I can't see another yeah. point guard that's as ready made as Terry in the terms of knowing the system, already proved that he can play in the big games, he can run the offense. It just makes sense if Kyrie leaves, then we reel up on Terry and go forward with Terry and Smart sharing minutes at the point. Yeah, this this off season was really it really sort of our signing of Smart really cemented the future of Terry Rougier. Um uh we can't pay both of them 
twelve million dollars, let alone Terry, which he could potentially get fifteen plus. I'd rather have some. And I'd rather have some as well. So it sort of sent them like, hey Terry, you're cool and all, but um sorry. Well Terry and Kyrie do similar things. But Kyrie does it on two or three levels above yes, everybody I else. I was going to say, Terry's kind of like the JV, where Kyrie's <laughs> like, one of the top players in the world. Seen, uh, at the Celtics during our lifetime. And, uh, Smart brings that defensive element, the intensity, the hustle that we all love to see. So it's key. All right, guys. So um, we're pretty much done, aren't we? Yeah, I think one last thing I want to ask now that Joe just said, seen in our lifetime. We've, you've probably seen something that's a lot longer than me and Joe have. Um, that's because I'm old. Yeah, it's just because you're old. Um, <laughs> but if you think about it, if you think about it, Kyrie, in my opinion, is the number eight best player in the world, but he's definitely a top 10 player in the NBA. Yeah. Do you think, what, okay, other than, you know, obviously, the, in the Pierce era, the Pierce KG era, where were they ranked in respect to the NBA? And is Kyrie one of the, like where does Kyrie rank if he put all the Celtics to ever play in the last like ten years? Where does Kyrie rank on that list? So what? Just I think Ky- Celtic players. So like every player to play since two thousand eight in the last ten years, every Celtics player. So KG, Rondo, in their prime, like their best year. Where does Kyrie rank? I think Kyrie ranks third behind KG and then Pierce. Not as in terms of best players to ever play for the Celtics, but at their time in the NBA, where were they ranked in terms of like top 10, top 15 players? I would say, I personally, I would have Pierce number one just because what he did, like the longevity was bigger than Garnett. He had the clutch factor. He was the finals MVP. He was the go-to guy. I know KG had the defensive presence, I think KG was a better player than Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce was the best, better scorer and basically more loved. I'm talking like best player during their time. It's a, it's a weird question. It's the best player for the Celtics in their time period. I was going to say this. I'll put Kyrie three. Yeah. But when Kyrie's 28, 29 years old, Ooh. who knows how good he could be. Yeah. He could be a three-time champion by then. I mean, yeah. His, the sky's the limit for him. He's phenomenal. Yeah, if we're right talking now, about pure if we're talking about pure talent and ability, then mm. I'm putting Kyrie at two, uh, putting Pierce at three. I'm, I'm going to get some hate for that. But if we're talking pure talent, as just like not what they did for the team in terms of longevity or rings, but on pure talent, uh, Kyrie goes number two at the moment, uh, straight behind KG. And then, like right. Joey said, in a few more years, then it's probably, if he does keep getting better, it's going to be Kyrie at number one. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a cool question to think about. I like that question. That was a good question. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So that's going to wrap it up for today. So thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back again next week. You can catch us on iTunes, on Spotify, or on the website. And we'll be back again next week, bringing you some reviews on the uh, opening game of Summer League. Peace, guys.